Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. In this first sermon of King Jesus, Jesus focuses not so much on what we do, he's going to address that later, but he focuses first on our character, on our attitude, on who we really are. This then is what it means to follow Jesus. This is life in the kingdom. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. The teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is sometimes called the greatest sermon ever preached. In this sermon, Jesus discusses what it means to follow Him and life in the kingdom of God. Today, we're continuing our study in the book of Matthew by exploring the foundational teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe with today's lesson. What does it mean to live in the kingdom of heaven? What does following Jesus actually look like in our everyday lives? Today we sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from Him as He begins the magnificent sermon which we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Israel, the spot where Jesus is thought to have taught is called the Mount of the Beatitudes. It overlooks the Sea of Galilee. In our minds, we can see Jesus speaking to His disciples and the crowds gathering and listening. What do you expect? Are you ready to hear the words of Jesus? Let's listen now and learn from King Jesus, who focuses not so much on what we're going to do, but first on our character, on our attitude, on who we really are. And now as we come to Matthew chapter 5, we will see that in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we have what has been called the greatest sermon ever preached. Uh, Generally, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's given on a mountain. When we go to Israel, we go uh, to the Mount of Beatitudes. And there in that beautiful setting, in the surrounding of the Sea of Galilee with the magnificent hills, we can picture the quietness and the tranquility as Jesus sits there and addresses his disciples. So I ask you, wherever you are, if you're able to do so, to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 verse 1 we read, seeing the crowds, he that is Jesus, went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I'm sure there were large crowds there, but notice that Jesus is speaking particularly to his disciples. Are you a follower of Jesus? Many of you would say, yes, we are. Well, Jesus is speaking to you. I find it intriguing that in this first sermon described by Matthew, the first sermon of King Jesus, Jesus focuses not so much on what we do, he's going to address that later, but he focuses first on our character, on our attitude, on who we really are. This then is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven. This is what you should look like and I should look like if we say we're following Jesus. This is life in the kingdom. Let me read with you then the first five verses of Matthew chapter five. Seeing the crowds, he went up in the mountain 
And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Here is teaching of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Here is life in the kingdom. With Jesus, he is saying the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, first of all, we must address this question. How do we get into the kingdom of heaven? What about the entrance into the kingdom? What did Jesus say? Chapter four, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark, as he begins his gospel, puts it this way in chapter one, verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. How do I enter the kingdom of God? It begins with repentance. It begins with believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's repentance? Repentance is a change of mind leading to a change of attitude, leading to a change of action. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. Uh, when I was a little boy of 11 years old, my, my teacher uh, was Miss Keith. And uh, she was very much of the old school. Her teaching really was with fear and intimidation, not too many smiley faces. In fact, we never saw one. I don't know if she smiled all the time we had her and we had her for a year. Uh, she probably, when I was 11, was about in her late 50s. It's very difficult when you're 11 years old. You think anyone over 20 is ancient. And uh, to us, she seemed very old, but I think as I look back, she probably was late 50s. And we called her Kitty, behind her back, of course. And for some reason, she didn't like little boys like me talking in her class. And uh, so if she caught anyone talking, particularly boys, I don't think she liked men, she certainly didn't like 11-year-old wee boys. Uh, she would say, Monroe, not John, certainly not Johnny. Monroe, stand up. I would stand up. Were you talking? Yes, Miss Keith. What do you say? I'm sorry, Miss Keith, sit down. Sometimes she might even say, you silly little boy, sit down. I'm saying to the teacher, I'm sorry. Perhaps as she looked at me, I appeared to be a little contrite. Ah, but there was no repentance on my part. I didn't really feel I had done much wrong because I'd spoken to the boy next to me. That's not repentance. There's a man in the Bible called Esau. And when he didn't get his birthright, it says that he wept, ah, but there was no real repentance. Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry and then going on as you always did. No, true repentance is an acknowledgement, please get this, an acknowledgement before a holy God that you are a sinful person. Because earlier Matthew has told us, in fact in chapter one, that when God's son is born, he's given the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, not to continue in their sins. And with the turning from our sin, repentance, there is also a turning to God. 
Paul in Acts 20 talks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Turning from my sin and turning to the Lord Jesus. Now all of us have been absorbed with this coronavirus and we've been given all kinds of advice about it, wise advice. Now none of us want to get that virus. But the Lord Jesus, when he talks about repentance, is thinking of a virus, not which is out there, but which is in here. The Bible calls that sin. And it says that all of us without exception are infected with this virus. And you say, how can we get rid of it? Can we cleanse ourselves? Can we keep away from evil? Oh, it's not that simple. Because yes, it's good to keep away from evil, but what about the evil within us that's called sin? How do we deal with this? Can we cleanse ourselves? Can we atone for our own sin? Is there, is there some way I can get rid of this virus? Because the Bible tells me the wages of sin is death. Not everyone dies when they get the virus, the coronavirus. Some die, but some live. Some get through it. But for every single person, there's death awaiting us because the wages of our sin is death. How can I be cleansed from this? This is the good news of the gospel. That into the dark world, into our world of the virus of sin, there comes one man who is totally different from all others. And that's why Matthew has been stressing the sinlessness of our Savior, that when he's baptized, God himself says, I'm well pleased with this one because he is unique, he is without sin. And why is it so necessary that not only do I repent of my sin, but put my trust in the Lord Jesus is that he is the sinless Savior. Not only is he sinless, but his mission is to rescue me from my sin. And he can give me and you a spiritual cleansing because he's accomplished that through his own death on the cross where he takes all of our sin on himself, dies our death that we deserved, is buried and then rises from the dead. And so here is the good news of the gospel that the Lord Jesus comes to those who are dwelling in darkness, to those who are dwelling in the shadow of death. He comes, the perfect man, the sinless savior on a rescue mission. And the message is this, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's the gospel, that's why it's good news. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved even by trying to obey the Beatitudes in our own strength. From first to last, the Bible teaches us that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. But as we come to the Beatitudes, here's a point I want to emphasize, and it's an often forgotten point, I think, but it's a very important point, that those now who are following Jesus, those who have repented of their sin and placed their trust in Jesus and have begun this exciting adventure to follow Jesus, they must be different. You cannot go on living as you once lived. I am now following Jesus. Once I followed my own ambition, my own desires, I followed other people. Now there has been a radical change. 
When I came to Christ as a boy at camp, we learned the chorus, things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Yes, I was 12, but I understood that when I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, that was the most important thing I ever did. And then, yes, as a boy, stumblingly, faltering, often failing, but trying to keep my eyes on Jesus. Are things different in your life? That's what the Beatitudes are all about. After the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, the Lord said to them, Leviticus 18, verses two and three, listen to these words, they're so important. I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I'm bringing you. Here are the people of God. They've been delivered from their slavery. They've been led through the Dead Sea. And God is saying to them, you're a redeemed people and you can do what they did in Egypt. You were once slaves in Egypt, but it's different, you've been delivered. Furthermore, you're going to a land, it's a great land, a land flowing with milk and honey, but there are pagans in it and you must not live like them. No, those who are saved, those who are redeemed, uh, we're, we're different. Uh, when Christ comes into our life, there is this radical change, a fundamental change of attitude, of agendas, of orientation. And this is the focus in these magnificent Beatitudes. How are you coping with this? Have you repented? Have you believed in the gospel? If you say, in God's grace, John, I have. Let me ask you, is your life different? Is it different from those who don't know Christ? Is it different from your neighbors? Different from those at work? Different from the students at college? Jesus Christ brings a radical change in our life. Now this is how we get into the kingdom. But what about the blessings of the kingdom? Well, kingdom living is a life of blessing. Isn't it sad that the Christian life is often presented as some kind of killjoy, sad experience? The, the reverse is true. Notice how frequent are the blessings. When we look at verses three through 12 of Matthew 5, Nine times we have this word blessing. The Greek word is makarios, and it's difficult to translate into uh, English. Translators struggle with it. Some translations give happy, uh, which captures the sense in, in one aspect, but the problem with our usage of the word happy is that it very much focuses on my feelings. And these blessings, yes, they bring us happiness, but the thought is not so much about my feelings, my happy feelings, but to be in a place of happiness, to be in a place of being blessed by God. You see, kingdom living is a blessed life. Jesus is not talking about circumstances which make you happy, which are dependent upon the happenings in your life. He's talking about a blessing which comes from God, an inner joy, an inner peace which comes from following Jesus in this life of faith, a life of obedience. For example, how are you handling this coronavirus? 
You lost your joy, you're frustrated, you're angry, depressed, fearful. See, these blessings that Jesus talks about here, they can't be manufactured. They're not a result of our own achievements. They can't be handed on uh, from parent to child, as it were. No, they come direct from God to you. And every single one of us crave the blessing of God. I certainly do. I know you do. And the wonderful thing is this. Irrespective of your surroundings, irrespective of your health, irrespective of your, of your bank balance, irrespective of your background, irrespective of your education, you can be blessed by God. And did you notice as I read the first three of the Beatitudes that they are a total reversal of the false prosperity theology of the false prosperity gospel. Jesus does not say, blessed are the rich, but blessed are the poor in spirit. He doesn't say, blessed are the successful. He says, blessed are those that mourn. He doesn't say, blessed are the assertive, but blessed are the meek. The blessings of the kingdom. Now let's think of the characteristics of the kingdom. We've thought of the entrance into the kingdom. Secondly, the blessings of the kingdom. Now the characteristics of the kingdom. I want to say the obvious, that Jesus is focusing not on the externals, but the internal. Jesus is focusing, and this is why it's so convicting to us, isn't it? He's focusing not so much on what we do, but on who we are. See, Jesus is first concerned with your heart, who you really are. Not the external rituals of religion, not how people view you, not even how you view yourself, but he's concerned with your heart. And in times of crisis, such as we're facing as a nation, these situations tend to expose our hearts, our values, what's important to us. It deals with our character. Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. What we are inside is the most important. If you know someone's heart, if you know someone's character, you're not worried about what they can do. I've learned over the years when I interview someone for a certain position, yes, I'm, I'm concerned about their competence and their education, but I'm much more concerned with their character and what kind of person, what man, what woman is this person really like? And so Jesus begins with the internal. Here are the qualities. Here are the attitudes of those living in the kingdom, of those following Jesus. No, he's not dealing with personality traits. It's, it's not that every Christian has the same personality as the next person. Wouldn't that be boring? No. These beatitudes, irrespective of your personality of your, or your background or your education, these beatitudes are the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. You see, when I receive Jesus as my Savior, a miracle takes place in that the living Christ comes to indwell me. We, we, we've learned recently a song about Christ living in us coming from Galatians 2.20. That's right. 
And as Christ lives in us, and as we show these wonderful characteristics, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. You see, the more you follow Jesus, the closer you follow Jesus, the more you listen to his words. That's why I think it's so important that you read the Gospels. That's why I'm excited about preaching through Matthew. The more we commune with Jesus, the more these characteristics and these, and these qualities will be evidenced in our lives. Isn't that a beautiful thing in the Christian community when we've known an individual, perhaps over a period of a few years, and we see this man, we see this woman, we see this boy and this girl becoming more and more like Jesus. Sometimes they're, they're even unaware of themselves. But here is a man who once was very harsh. And now, as he's following Jesus, the Spirit of God is changing how he communicates. Here is an individual before they came to Christ who, were very, who was very, very greedy. And as they follow Christ, they become marked by generosity and grace. So what are these qualities? Well, I want us to think of the first three of them. I'm asking you to do something very difficult. I'm asking you to examine your heart. I'm, I'm, today I'm like a, a spiritual cardiologist. I'm going to examine your heart. It's really the spirit. I'm using the text. Are you, are you ready for a spiritual EKG? Some of you have had that. You've gone to your doctor and uh, he or she has examined your heart and perhaps put you up to that EKG and want to know, how is your heart? Well, it's wonderful to have a healthy physical heart, but Jesus wants us to have a healthy spiritual heart. Here are the first three of the, of the Beatitudes. First of all, verse three. Here's the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is not referring to material poverty, but to spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled Life in the Kingdom. Part two is coming up on tomorrow's program. But no matter what your New Year's schedule looks like, remember, you can always find these messages and listen anytime online at theverdict.org. And as we continue our series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we'd like to send you a free copy of the special resource we're offering to supplement this study. To help you build a stronger understanding of what it means to follow Jesus on a daily basis, we're offering a helpful booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom to complement our series. It goes deeper into the teaching of Jesus and what He says about how His followers are to live. So request your free copy today or download it online by visiting theverdict.org. And here at The Verdict, we're committed to sharing the truth of God's Word every day, not just in your local community, but to listeners all across the globe. And so, as we begin this new year, we invite you to help us share these Bible lessons with people around the world by supporting our ministry with a gift of any amount. You can give your New Year's gift today by clicking the Donate tab on our homepage or by giving us a call at 833-551-2231. That's 833-551-2231. You can even send a check in the mail. 
by writing to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Have you repented and believed in the gospel? You've heard the teaching of Jesus, and now there must be a response, a verdict, not just in your mind, but in your heart and life. Are you beginning to better understand what it means to follow Jesus? Perhaps it means more than you first thought. Next time, we'll think of the first three of the Beatitudes, love, joy, and peace. I know you want to receive the blessing of God. Tune in next time and learn from the Master Teacher, our Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.